John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we want to pick up where we left off last week. Now, you remember, last week we talked about Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda, and there's a guy that had been there for 38 long years. And Jesus comes in, and he asked the man a very simple question, would you want to be made whole? And the man said, well, he wouldn't talk about other stuff about nobody could take him and carry him. And at a certain time, the pool, the water was stirred, and they had a superstition that was kind of tied into verse 4. That's really not in the text, but it kind of explains it. But they believed that the water was stirred by an angel, and really it wasn't an angel. It was the way the water was fed into the aqueducts, and the water would come up, and it had maybe historians say it had a red hue to it. So because of the way it came into the pool and it kind of bubbled up, they thought it was an angel. Well, there was no angel, but they considered that's what it was. But they had somebody better than an angel. They had Jesus himself. So he asked the question, would you want to be made whole? I mean, that'd be like Jesus come in today and say, would you, anyone of us here today, do you want to be made whole? I mean, you know, and say, well, then you would come up with all these, well, well, I didn't answer the question, but I have nobody that can help me. I have nobody that does it. No, do you want to be made whole? And so then Jesus just heals him right there on the spot. Where we left off last week is that uh, he just gives him the command, get up. Take, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Boom. Been there 38 years. Jesus, get up. Take up your bed and walk. He was, he was an invalid. He couldn't walk at all. And uh, according to the text, he immediately gets up. No, no hesitation. But the problem was, we thought the miracle of him getting up, messed up some people. So today we want to talk about be careful of our religio- religiosity. Religion can get you in trouble. I was very careful when I talked about our emotions being tied to our salvation. Somebody said, well, you know, I wouldn't I, I would have a religion. Well, no, I, I, I'd rather say my salvation, my faith. Every now and then ought to be emotional. Religion is going to get, we're going to find out today, it's going to get some people in trouble. All right? So beginning with, at the end there, uh, verse 10, or verse uh, 9 says, Now the day that Jesus was doing this was the Sabbath. So, verse 10, the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, That man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Be careful of our religiosity. Our religion can get us. And we'll get Jesus in trouble. Not his religion, but the other people's religion. According to this text in verse 10, so the Jews, 
And whenever you see that phrase, typically when he talks about the Jews, he's talking about those who were in the leadership of the Jewish faith. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the religious hierarchy of the Jewish nation. Those Jews, and as well as others, who were very legalistic in their faith. Who practiced a whole lot of things in terms of what they were allowed to do and what they were not allowed to do. And it was interesting that they added to the Sabbath day about 39 other different things that they were not supposed to do. They could comb their hair, but if there was a gray hair, they had to throw the comb away. <laughs> Don't understand the process of that, but hey, do what you will. They weren't allowed, and if you read through, through the New Testament, you find out that if their ox fell into a ditch, they weren't allowed to take the ox out of the ditch. It would be akin to you going out this, in a few moments to your car. It has a flat tire. And because it's not, we don't celebrate Sabbath in, in New Testament, to, for us it's the Lord's Day. But it would be equivalent of you going out and you have a flat tire and not changing your tire because it's Sunday. They couldn't cook certain things. They couldn't use certain attention. They had all these different rules and regulations tied to what the Sabbath was really supposed to be about. And the interesting thing is, they, they missed the point. If you've been listening to some of the things I've been saying about uh, the Gospel of John, what you find out is, just like the woman at the well missed the point when Jesus asked her about living water, just like with Nicodemus, when Jesus said, you must be born again, he missed the point. Many times people who are supposed to know don't because they are lost in their religion. It's interesting. I'm kind of going to take, not take my time, but I just wanted to make a couple of points here in this, in this story. Isn't it interesting that the religious Jews, the, the Jewish people here, were more interested that he was picking up his bed and walking on the Sabbath rather than the fact that this man was healed? I mean, you would think they knew he had been there for how long? 38 years. Many of the people that were there at the pool had seen him there year after year after year. And instead of celebrating and rejoicing that this man was healed on this day, all the question they want to know is, who told you to pick up your bed? Who, who, who gave you the command to take up your bed and walk? Who is this guy? How many of us miss the point of service in terms of, we come to celebrate the Lord. We come to, to, to honor and glorify him. We, we just sang the song, I come to serve and come to worship, you know, all those various things. And it does not take much for us to be distracted from where our focus ought to be. We are more willing to watch everything else than we are to think, well, you know what, no matter what's going on around me, my focus should be on what's the real purpose for me being here. And what is this? Why, why did you come today? I hope you and I came to worship and glorify God. He watched over us from last Sunday to this Sunday. All the things that have transpired during the course of the week. Sister Seager told us Wednesday, and she even talked about it this morning, about this young lady that had passed, died in her sleep. All the things that she had to contend with on, her, on the campus, dealing with not just the family, but the impact that that had on the student body and, and even some of the professors and, and campus as a whole. I mean, to be asleep and then just go. 
That could happen to any one of us. I, I, I missed it not too long ago. I can remember when we were at the BNBC Second Baptist, and uh, Brother Harding saw him on a Wednesday night, and he was gone that night, just like that. Some of us could see somebody here this morning, and before the day's over, if you get a phone call, guess what? Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so is gone. What? I just saw them. It happens just that quick. So rather than celebrate and be happy that this man was healed, they question. Notice what they say here. It says, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Now he says, very simply, they asked him, well, who, who, who told you this? And he said, well, the man. He doesn't even know who this is. The man who healed me. That man said to me, take up your bed and walk. I don't know who it was, but evidently, whoever this man was, when he spoke, take up, get up, take up your bed and walk, at the command of his voice, I really didn't have any other choice but to do it. I mean, it wasn't that just anybody walked into this place and said that. It was at the command and at the voice of God, Christ, Jesus himself, God manifested himself in Christ, that at his command, this man got up. Now, I could have walked in there, you could have walked in there, and you could have said the same words Jesus said, and guess what? He still would be laying there. But evidently, at the voice, at the command of he who is God, because that's the whole purpose of John, the book of John is to show us that Jesus is the Son of God. Nobody could do this but God himself manifested in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. Nobody, nobody could do what he did with the nobleman when he said, go, your son is made whole is, is well. Nobody but God could do that. And how many times has God spoken in your life and my life? He doesn't have to physically put his hands on anybody. All he has to do is speak. He didn't touch the man. Contrary to what we see on television, everybody wants to lay hands on somebody. If you get that kind of power, you don't need nobody. You don't have to, you don't have to touch anybody. You can just say, hey, I pray that you would be healed. And at, at the command of your voice, you would, but we, know we don't have that kind of power. Only God does. Amen. And he says here, well, the man. I don't know who he is. But I know that when he spoke, he said something that I had to obey. Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. There's a lot of people. Remember I told you that? There, there's, it's a time of the feast. So evidently, at this feast, and also because it's the pool of Bethesda, and because a lot of people, a lot of sick, invalid, lame people were there, it places packed. And Jesus does this, and yet he finds a way to get out from amongst the crowd so that nobody even knows who it is. This man who, who is healed doesn't know who it is. And we just told right here, because of the crowd, Jesus somehow has gotten away. Read through the New Testament what you find out. Many times, Jesus, because of his popularity, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what you find out, wherever Jesus went, there were crowds of people coming by. On one occasion, there were so many people that he had to get into a boat, push off from shore, and stand on the shore while people stood on the beach so he could preach the word of God. 
That's just how many people were there. When he did, fed the 5,000, which is really more than 5,000, at a minimum, at a minimum of 15,000 plus. Men and women, that's 5,000 men, 5,000 women just on average. And then if you got children and whatever, just each one had one or two. You're talking about a whole lot of people, plus others. And he fed the multitudes with what he had. So various times, you're talking about wherever he, why would it not be? He's doing miracles. He's doing signs and wonders. And people are like, wow, man, this is something special. A lot of people think that because you're doing something and because he was doing something, even, even as God himself, that all these people were believers. They were not believers. Majority of them were unbelievers. They were there for the ride. They were there because he was feeding them. They were there because, man, he's healing folks. I got a mother. I got a brother. I got a baby. I got, come on, let's go see this guy who's doing all these things. See, sometimes people come to church, and they can walk down the aisle, say, I want to be saved, but they're not coming for salvation. They're coming for what God can do for them or what the church can do for them or what they think they're going to get out of it rather than coming to Christ or God in saving faith, truly believing, confessing, professing, and possessing Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, that's awful hard. Well, no, you just you observe what happens in, in, in our life with a lot of people that we know of. Not just this church, a lot of churches. Church membership is made by a whole lot of people. And yet and still, many people have come for the wrong reasons. They were coming for the wrong reasons. If they came for the wrong reasons and they had Jesus himself, what makes you and I think that people who are coming today are always coming for the right reason? Pray they do, but let's be honest. The fruits and the evidence is many don't. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus talked about that in chapter 2. He said, I know the intents and hearts of men. Not all y'all coming here, and we're going to talk about it later on in this book. In a few chapters, we're going to pick it up where he just flat out just tells them where they're at. You're not believing in me because I'm the son of God. You're coming because you think I can do something for you, and because I can do something is the only reason why you're saying. He's going to put an indictment on these Jews and all these people who are gathered around him. He's going to let them know that they are not where they think they are. They were caught up in their religion, not in terms of salvation. They were more concerned about him breaking the Sabbath rather than he healed somebody who needed to be healed. And that's what happens to many times in the church. I can remember growing up back in the day when I was growing up in church. There were so many different rules and regulations of people that people put on in terms of church and church behavior and church, all that. They was like, really? And a lot of it did have nothing to do with salvation. It had a lot to do with everybody's own personal preferences. Do you need to have to wear a suit every Sunday? No. The, the, wearing a suit does not make you any more sanctified and holy. Wearing a tie doesn't mean that you're more godly or spiritual. No. Come, come clean. Come with modest apparel. Come looking right. That's all the Lord requires. And above that, come with your heart willing and able to serve him. I have no problem. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. I, if you're dressed appropriate, hey, pair of jeans, pair of slacks, pair of a nice dress, skirt, whatever, culottes, all that. It ain't gonna bother me. Tie, no tie. Shirt, nice button up, button down, or polo shirt, or pullover t-shirt. It ain't gonna bother me. I ain't been out of shape. Oh my God! Did you see he came to church with a pair of shorts and, and a t-shirt? 
Well, my thing is, if it looks all right, then he's here. Why do we worry about it for? You're just like the Jews were here. I just don't believe. I can't believe he come to church in shorts. But he's here. I never forget we had somebody visit a church years ago from Camp Joy. A group of the Camp Joyers came in, and they had on shorts, and the girls were wearing shorts. And this, and some of my people in our church at the time were more worried about they were coming in inappropriately, what they consider inappropriately addressed, than the fact that they, of all the churches they could come to, they came to our church. Amen. How am I, how are we going to hold somebody accountable to something that they don't know of? Now, if you want to wear a suit and tie and that's your thing, God, that's great. I'm not saying don't do it. But don't become so caught up in our religion and our, and our ideas that that's the only way to serve God. Uh-huh. It was funny this morning. I got dressed. I forgot it was the first Sunday. I had on a shirt. I had on a sweater and a pair of slacks. And my wife says, you know it's the first Sunday. And I said, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? She said, you're not wearing a suit today? And part of me said, oh, no. Said, no I don't think I will. But then I know it would mess up some people, so I said, I better wear a suit. Because they would not be able to hear me or see anything. I don't believe Hazard didn't wear a suit. Oh, my God. What's wrong with him? That's what's happening with these people. They forgot that the miracle was this guy had been healed. They ought to be celebrate that. But I like what happens here. After he had withdrawn because of the crowd, he finds this man. Afterward, after some time, Jesus comes back to the place, and he finds this guy. And he asks him a question. See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Oh, I see you're doing all right. You're walking. You're going about. See that you're well. And then, by the way, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Some people believe that illnesses and diseases and sickness is caused because somebody did something wrong. The reason why they have cancer is because somebody in the family did something wrong and God is punishing us with cancer. No, that's not how God operates. No, no. God doesn't sit in heaven and go, well, you know what? You were disobedient back in 1955, and because of that, now 2015, I'm going to do this to you. That's not how God does things. We think that. Good things, bad things happen to all of people. There is nothing that exempts we as Christians from experiencing the bad things that happen in life. Because you're saved, because you know Jesus, because you're on the way to heaven, does not mean that bad things can't happen to you. I as a Christian, you as a Christian, we can experience some of the, some of the very same things that unsaved people can experience. Is there cancer with Christians? Yes. Can, can we have family problems? Yes. All the things that happen to anybody else can happen to us. So we shouldn't think, this man does not have to think because he was for 38 years paralyzed and couldn't move. That was because of some sin. It was done because God knew that in his divine providence, he was going to come to that pool and save that man from being paralyzed. Catch what I said. Save him from being paralyzed. I did not say save him for salvation. He had an appointment with Jesus. He didn't know it. Jesus knew it. 
Jesus went to the pool because he knew that man was there, and he touched that man so that that man could pick up his bed and walk. And when he says, sin no more, he says, by the way, he, he's, he's talking to not just that man, but to all of us. Sin no more. That, what does he say here? That nothing worse may happen to you. See, the worst thing that could happen to that man is that he would be lost and found in hell. Being paralyzed for 38, 50, 60 years was not a big thing in comparison to the worst thing that could happen to him, and that would be not to know Jesus. It's better to be paralyzed. It's better to be lame. It's better to be deaf. It's better to be blind. It's better to have whatever it is going on and know Jesus than not know him and have full health, vim, and vigor. We don't think like that, but that's the honest to God's truth. Have all the money in the world, have all the nice things in the world, have all the things that, that the world says makes up what a house and, and possession should be. And find yourself lost and on your way to hell. What was it, Luther Vandross saying? A house is not a home. It's not about the size of it, it's about the labor of love and the people that indwell that house that make it a home. I could have, I've, I've been in places where they've got all the nice amenities that you could ever have. Doesn't make it a home. What makes it a home is the love that dwells within the people that are there. I was talking to some people yesterday, and I said, you know what? Uh, the sacrifices I, my wife and I have made for our kids and this and that and the other. I said, I didn't I tell my kids they, they, you, you should love me. They should just do it out of their love for us because they know what we sacrifice for them. Could I have a bigger house? Could I have bigger cars? Could I have a whole? Well, yeah. But we sacrifice for them to have that we might not. Guess what? That's what Jesus did for you and me. He died. Didn't have to, but he died. He's going to, he heals this man and yet and still this man misses what's going on. The Jews miss it. They were caught up in their religion. They were more worried about the defilement and the breaking of a law on the Sabbath than they were the soul and, and, and the well-being of this individual. Say, so how do you know that? Now, up earlier, they asked him the question, who is this that told you that? He didn't know. But by the time we get down to verse 15, we find some, some things that went well, that clarify it. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. In case you missed the point, when they came to the man to say, who healed you? They weren't saying, by the way, who did heal you? No, they were coming accusing the man, who healed you? Who, who was it that touched you and caused you to get up and, and, and walk and, and pick up your, your bed and walk? Who told you that? Not, oh, who was it that did that for you? We really want to know. He couldn't tell him. But by the time we get to verse 15, he tells him, I did it. I have no clue. 15 says he finds out. And he sells Jesus out. He, if you want to say, rats out Jesus. Oh, now he knows. And what he says here is, in verse 15, he says, the man went away and told the Jews. The moment Jesus said, go and sin no more, it is well with you, sin no more. That nothing worse may happen to you, you would think the man said, Glory! 
Thank you, Jesus. I believe. I want to be saved. You would think that would be a natural response. Right? God touched me after 38 years, and I'm able to pick up my bed that I had and carry it and walk out of here upright and being able to walk. You would think he would say, Jesus, I'm your, I want to serve you the rest of my life. No, no. What does he do? The moment Jesus talks to him, the moment Jesus tells him, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you, the man goes right out and tells the Jews, it's Jesus. That's the guy. You want a name? I give you a name. It's Jesus who healed me. How many of us are no different than this man here? God does a work of grace in our life, and instead of being thankful and grateful and wanting to serve God for the rest of the days of our life, say, God, I didn't make it through this situation because I know the reason why I made it is because of what you did for me. Sister Tammy talked about we prayed Wednesday night for a job for Malik. He's got a job. But our prayer was twofold. One, he get a job, and number two, he keeps the job. So we're not done praying. We can celebrate on one hand he got a job. Number two, we want to pray that he stays with the job and rides it through the completion. Amen. 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 But the dentist said, pray for him in his eyes. He, I talked to him this week. He said, by the way, they got to come back and do some more stuff to my eyes, but everything went well. Amen. But now I got another problem. So what's that, brother? I got gout. I said, well, brother, you need to eat the right foods. That's part of a prison with gout. Your, your diet's not good and your health habits are bad. So we're going to pray for him for his gout. Amen? The man ought to be celebrating because he's walking. And instead, he says, oh, took off. And me, what does it say? Verse 15, the man went and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. You want a name? I'll give you a name. You want to know who it is that told me to get up off my bed? You want to know who told me to take up my bed, rise and walk? I'll give you the name. By, his name is Jesus. Sold him out. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because in the very next verse, it says, and this is why. What? And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Why were the Jews? They, they were really mad. They, they were sort of mad at the guy that got healed, but they were more mad at Jesus because he did this on the Sabbath. And they recognize that if this man is able to do this with one man, what's he going to be able to do with other people that's going to cause them to rise up and, and mess up the Sabbath day? We got to find out who is the, we got to get to the root cause of what this, what they consider a rebellion is about. Now they got a name. They know who it is. It's Jesus. And because of that, in the tense of the verb that's there, they were in a constant state, not just a one-time thing. Now they will be continually ongoing persecuting Jesus. Not just because he just healed on the Sabbath, because we're going to learn in other chapters and other verses as we go through the book, but also because he equated himself equal with God. And the Jewish religious folks could not handle him saying he was God himself. Guess what? The world's the same today. 
Somebody says, what's the answer to the world's problems, Pastor? Jesus. People getting right with God. People coming to a saving faith in God. People acknowledging that God is the one through his son, Jesus Christ, who paid for our sins. We started chapter 5, and I'll close on this. We are the very people who are at the pool of Bethesda. Some of us, because if you go at the beginning, it's a, in these, in, at the pool of the sheep gate of Bethesda. In these, in verse 3, lay a multitude of invalids, lame, blind, paralyzed. Guess what? That's you and I. You and I, at one time, if we're saved today, we were these people. We were lame. We were blind. We were paralyzed. We were invalids. But God, being rich in his grace and in his mercy, catch this, of all the people that were there, all the invalids, all the blind, all the paralyzed, all the lame, one man, one, does Jesus heal. He doesn't heal the whole multitude, which is another mark that God calls. Brother Dixon read it this morning in Ephesians about being called by God. He didn't say, everybody that's here be saved, be healed. He chose one man who's been there for 30, could have been anybody else, but he picked out that one man. Guess what? You and I, if we're saved today, we were at one time in our life, that one man, that one woman, that one boy, that one girl, that God through, the, through his time schedule said, I want him to be a part of my family. You has he quickened who were dead in sins. We were all were dead. We had no sense of knowing when to come to God at all. You never decided to make Jesus your choice. He decided for you because you were dead. I challenge you, go to the graveyard. There's two in Wilmington, one over here and one out on Center Road. Go, and go to those graves and see if there's any life in that place. In those ground, people buried in the ground. Hello? Now, you need to be careful because somebody answers, you better get out of there real quick. I know I would be. Amen? If, you, if I'm looking around, there's no other cars, I see no other bodies, and I say, hello, and somewhere out there, a voice comes back, I'm like, whoa. I'm going to tell you what, you're not going to hear a voice. They're dead. Guess what? That was us before we came to Christ. People don't like the idea that you and I were rebels. We were enemies of God. There was nothing in Like I said the other day, uh, Wednesday night, I think it was, God, like he chose the nation of Israel, of all the people he could have chose, the, true ch the church was born then. Just like he called the nation of Israel out as a peculiar people for himself, today he's calling we the church out as a peculiar people unto himself. I understand on the day of Pentecost, that's we say that's the day the church was born, but the church was really born all the way back in Genesis when he chose the people of Israel to be his chosen people. And like he did them, he does you and I. He wants us to be that peculiar people. He makes you and I, because we had no confident, confident sense of saying, I need God. 
But God pressed upon our hearts and on our minds through the word, through a song, through somebody testifying, through somebody witnessing to us our need for salvation. And once he did that and the Holy Spirit starts bringing conviction, then you said to yourself, because God gave you the sense to say it, I need to be saved. And Sister Tammy, we were talking about that, I think even Sister Lynn brought out the point. God can use various circumstances. He could use what he did as miracles, yes, but many times it's by his preaching of his word. Amen? I don't know where you are today. Don't need to know. God knows. But one thing I need to, one thing I need to address all of us with is don't get caught up in our, quote, religion, but be fastened and secure on the salvation we have in Christ. When God does works of grace in people's lives, we ought to celebrate what he's doing. Not be like these people. It's Sunday. Oh, my God. You're going to watch football on Sunday? Yes. Go ahead and say it. Yes. Some people would say Sunday is set aside that we shouldn't even watch football. No, man. Stay in the Bible. And here's what, my, here's what I tell anybody that I was like, you could be so sanctified, so holy that you know earthly good. People are, we, let's be honest, God gives us so many opportunities to share with others. We just don't do it. Jesus took time for one man. How many of us have had somebody? You had, she had, I know people that just lost all sense of hope didn't know where to turn and they may not believe in God they don't believe in Christ but there was her that she seized the moment and said you know what I don't know where you are with, with God or whatever but we're going to make it and people look at her and go well, how can we make it we just did everything all that listen my faith in God is going to see me through and I got some people that I know that can pray for us as a campus Pray for us as a student body. Pray for you as parents. That even if you don't even know God, don't even consider God. Listen, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people who have no sense of needing God at all. See, we think everybody thinks like us. We think everybody who falls on their knees and, and prays to God. That, no. There are a whole lot of people that live their life without God at all. At all. They don't think about God watching them over while they slept at night. They don't think about God when they get in their car and drive all over the country or drive from here to Centerville or here. They, they don't even think that God is watching over them. They don't think about that when they sit down to eat food to give time of thanks to God for the food that they have received because not everybody in this world is eating. They don't even thank God for the home for which they live in. Lord, it may be small, it may be imperfect, but thank you for my four walls. Because there are people who do not have a place to lay their head. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to walk from my pew out this door. Because there's somebody that cannot walk. Thank you that I'm able to hear the voice of all those that come around me. Thank you that I can see. Thank you that I can touch. Thank you that in a few weeks, oh, the smell of the turkey in the oven. The pies that are going to be thrown at me. All that wonderful food that we don't necessarily need, but oh, isn't it so good that we want to eat? Don't take those things for granted. Thank God for all that he's given to us. Because as bad as you and I think we have it, there's somebody that has it a whole lot worse. 
38 years this guy was without and he'd been healed. You would have think, you would have thought he would have said, I give praise, honor, and glory to God. No, he just immediately goes back and tells the people that were questioning him, it's Jesus. That's who you want to get. He's the, one, he's the guy that started all this. Let's not be like that man. Rather than be a rat or a fink, let's be thankful that God is able. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless us. Keep us. Lord, we, we realize that though the miracle was performed, really the, the, the true meaning of the text is now because what Jesus has done. He did the right thing for the right reason to bring honor and glory to his Father and who he is. And yet he was misunderstood. And now those that had religion wanted to kill him. Five, six, and seven, we're going to see how the the turn in the tide shifts from, from wonderment and amazement that now they begin to want to persecute and ultimately they want to take Jesus and do away with him. Father, we pray that we as a people will rejoice in the God of our salvation. Help us to be thankful. Help us not to be like this lame, paralyzed man that didn't say thank you, but help us to be thankful for all that you have done. We thank you in Jesus' name.